Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? Welcome along to the Monday morning episode. Uh, big news this morning, Sam. The Oxford mm. vaccine seems mm. to be on its way and it's 70% effective. Now what? then... I thought I, it was I, 90. Uh, well, I, I, I suggest that you and me could shit out a better vaccine than that. Fucking easy. We've Given read the George's resources. marvellous medicine. Once again, it's Oxford uh, and Cambridge. Let's lump them in together. Mm. Um, given all the advantages and failing to deliver anything, you know, useful to the world. I haven't got what a chip you mean, on my once shoulder. Again, do you think Oxford well, and Cambridge have a track record of failure? <laughs> I would say... No, 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 no. Well, I mean, well, possibly. <laughs> yeah. I w- I would say if anyone goes to Oxford or Cambridge, then they automatically should be at the absolute top of whatever they do and be, um, you know, delivering top-class results at all times. Yeah, well, uh, we've been through this before, and you know I disagree with that because I think that it's you're overlooking the fact that everyone is a human being. It's like you think they're robots and mm -hmm. people and and human beings... Are are like just things that are manufactured, and if they've been manufactured in the right factory, then right. there should not be any flaws. Right. Well, I'll allow for a three percent swing for flawed human beings that go to Oxford or Cambridge. Well, life's life. You don't know what's going to come <laughs> up in life, do you? I mean, like for instance, say if you went to Oxford, you could, for instance, suffer from profound depression at a crucial yeah, they, moment they in your career. Three percent. That's what that three percent. Just the three percent. You uh, get a three percent allowance for depression and we'll that. We'll call it. We'll call it a sludge pile. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I applied. I applied for. Um, oh, Oxford. Did Do you, you know why I didn't get in though? Because you're a cockney. Because I'm stupid. That yeah, was the only reason. <laughs> and I think it's just indicative of the prejudice in this country that I applied <laughs> and I had all, you know, listen, right? I had, I was on course to get the right results, mm-hmm. exam results. That's why I was put forward by my sixth form college. Right. We're putting him forward, right? But <laughs> let's be honest. There, the sixth form push, co- push, push, push. Go the forward. The sixth form college I went to was not, I mean, it wasn't a terrible place, but it was not, you know, a great place. It was not like a private school with, that was set up for that sort of thing. But it did have a, uh, you know, it did have a section that, uh, you know, some sort of scheme where they mm. identified promising pupils yep. and said, right, we're going to try and train you up. 
But the problem as well was that I don't think they had teachers who'd been to Oxford or Cambridge, right? So right. they didn't really know how to train you. They didn't know what you were, what to expect or anything like that. They didn't. I none of those teachers felt, ever, ever wore a flowing scarf or rode around town on a bicycle. No. They were like, right, come in. <laughs> Yeah, you go in up to speak to them posh cuts. First thing you got to always do is remember to wipe your nose before you walk into the room, right? Don't uh, talk you while know, you're these, eating. These, these snooty cunts, right? Don't go in eating a kebab like you are now. I mean, it's fine when you're with us, right? But if you stink the room out with a smell of lamb, right, a lot of them snooty cunts, they don't like it, right? No, it wasn't like that, but... I think I suppose, that, like you know, sort of to appeal probably to the middle class parents. It's like, and we do have an Oxbridge scheme, right? So they've so they've gone right. We want to put you forward. Mm. I've gone, yeah. I, I was like, yeah, fuck it. I didn't have inverted snobbery about Oxford or Cambridge. I was like, fucking hell. Bit like what you're saying. I'm thinking if that gives me a huge advantage afterwards, then fuck it, I'll go. But and and I was on course to get all the A's you needed, right? But the truth is. I went to the interview and mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just not smart enough to right. get in. That was the, that's the simple truth. I went there and, and I, yeah, I was going to get the grades I needed, but they sit down, and they ask you questions, right? Yeah. They go right then, cunt. What makes you think you're so fucking clever? And I remember the questions. A lot of the questions they asked me, and I remember my answers. And I was just fucking all over the gap. I was like a child being asked <laughs> questions that, frankly, I would struggle to answer coherently now. Yeah. And um, you know, I mean, I just wasn't. The truth is, I just wasn't. I was not good enough to go to that university at yeah. that time in my life. You know. I, I had a similar um, experience when I was interviewed for a job as a writer on Ant and Dex Saturday Night Takeaway. Right. And I, well, was really? down, I was down to the last two to get a job. Fucking hell, mate. That. That's amazing. Well, I, I I shouldn't have been there because I had an agent at the time, and my agent said mm. um, that they're looking for, for writers for this new show, this new Ant and Dex show, and they want someone to write some spoof adverts to do with, the, you know, the win the ads bit that they do. Right. Like, yeah. On the on the on the on the show. They wanted some spoof adverts written. And me agent said, you know, you probably won't get anywhere with it, but you know, it'd be a good exercise to do it. And I mm. did these spoof ads and they were so good that they got me in to ask me yeah. to, to interview me to, to write and I didn't have a fucking clue. I didn't have any idea about what the show would be like or you know, I wasn't a seasoned writer on like yeah. entertainment. So mm. they wanted kind of more from me in the interview were kind of like what sort of things would you do on the show and what sort of features could we have and I was just like I only wrote some adverts I don't know why I'm here Uh, I uh, I like jokes you could do some (laughs) jokes maybe but not like not not ones more observational like I'm from the same part of the world as Anton Dick you see so So I I think that gives me an advantage in the the dialect (laughs) yeah didn't get I mean what what it shows in both cases is that a lot of it's uh I suppose a lot of these things are to do with culture. They're cultural, mm-hmm. right? So I, I mean, I'm not saying I had the brain capacity either way. I don't think that I did. But the point is, is that I might have, if I'd gone to a posher school and been surrounded by people who went to Oxford or Cambridge, mm-hmm. for example, I might have known the sort of language yeah. And the kind of framework you required to look as if you were the right sort of a person. But what I'm really trying to say is I don't think it was to do with class or being from the right background as such. I don't think they took a look at me and thought, oh, not this cunt. In fact, 
I think that what they fucking dream of at these places, to a large degree, is that some cunt's going to turn up with a regional accent mm. who's from a state school, but he's going to fucking blow their socks off intellectually because then they think fucking win double, mate. Yeah, we've got yeah, someone who takes a box, doesn't and, it? And, and those those people do exist, of course. They do yeah. sometimes come along, but if you're not fucking top, you're not a great intellect, which with a heavy heart, I have to confess. I was not and am not, then you need something else, don't you? You need to know mm. the fuck you need to know the ropes and the landscape. And that's the same with your experience, is that like yeah. you'd you'd proved that you could deliver the quality, but when you find yourself in that world, like lots of industries, comedy writing is a little um uh what would you call it? Not a cartel, that makes it sound corrupt. But we know a lot of comedy writers, we've we've come across them and they all kind of know each other and they know the scene and they know what's yeah. required on a show. Yeah. I mean, if you remember when we did the much missed um satiric highbrow satirical comedy show on Vladimir Putin's propaganda machine <laughs> RT, yeah. Sam Delaney's news thing. There was basically, in the writer's room, which you would sometimes sit in, there was like a couple of lads who were seasoned pros at working yeah. on TV. I mean, one of one of the lads, he'd fucking done the lot. I mean, he'd gone through... You, you couldn't... There was no fucking show he hadn't, like, worked on at some point. So he was a exactly. real pro. So you had him there, and he knew exactly what was required. Yeah. And then you had some other ones who'd been around the houses and done a bit, and then... You had me, you, and a couple of other waifs and strays that Talking I'd sort shit. of invited in because I thought they were funny. <laughs> and we thought it was just like, you just get in a room and you all talk shit to each other for yeah, a while. And then, and then the someone's, <laughs> then you, you make sure that like, there's some, the, that some younger person's in there writing it all down. And then you hand it off to a producer and go, turn that into a television program, will ya? <laughs> Which is but why. It kind of worked yeah. though. I think that, that, it did, that it did, did work. It, yeah, it did. But. At top level and and decks that they don't take away. It's like you can't no, take any chances. It's work. basically like if you are if you're if you're managing a Sunday league team like that, it might have some success. But what you can't do is <laughs> like if you're managing Liverpool in the Champions League, go listen, right? I've seen a couple of lads playing down at, on fucking at the park on Sunday <laughs> league, and I know this seems a bit weird, but they are fucking maverick. They are brilliant. They are so skillful, but. But they don't know how to play tactically. They've not been through the machine. Yeah. I know, but just it's a bit like your lad Cummins, the much missed Dominic Cummins, <laughs> right? Uh, Nash, na- you know what I call him? National treasure, National- Dominic Cummins. Yeah, now that he's out of the way, you can kind of look look back at it fondly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like a lot of things that go wrong in Britain. With the fullness of time, I become affectionate towards them because they're sort of so quintessentially British. And I think that's a bit. Yeah disastrous and ridiculous. Do you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, we, we came up with a show once, um, me and some of those lads we were talking about. In fact, it would have been, I'd have been better off getting you, like you you to do it with me. It was uh, just 101 best moments in Britain, mm. right? But it was like, number one was like Fenton. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It was all yeah. shit like that, basically. <laughs> yeah. And like, n- number two was like Nasty Nick taking a pencil into the Big Brother house. <laughs> and like, Cat Bin Lady. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But. Well, we should do this. Spin- like, we should do this as a spin off series. Oh, it's really good. Yeah, I've, I'll have a list somewhere of some of the things. Yeah. Like, what was it? Another one was. Um, Free content. What, one of them was. Uh, 
when Paul McCartney and his mates turned up to throw hamburgers at David Blaine when he was suspended in that box. <laughs> Do you remember that? No. Paul McCartney and his mates went out on the piss, right? They went out on the piss, him and the lads, the oh, McCartney yeah, I lads. I do, yeah. They went out on the piss, and then someone, I like to think McCart- Macker himself, had gone, fuck it, let's go, hey, I've got an idea. Have you seen this cod Blaine in <laughs> his fucking box? Let's go over there and talk shit at him. We'll stop at McDonald's and pick up some burgers to lob at the cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking amazing. Um, we should get the listeners to nominate their greatest moments in British history, and we'll we'll try and do a spin-off yeah. It would be a, it would be a really good spin-off series. And then uh, what, what were some other ones? Oh, we were talking about them recently, like. We were, we, I went out for a curry with a couple of mates and we spent like quite a large proportion of it trying to decide <laughs> what the best thing to have ever happened was between, <laughs> right? There was only two nominations. Yeah. One was Jamie Vardy tweeting, chat shit, get banged. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one was Harvey, <laughs> Katie Price's son going, hello, cunts. <laughs> And it was only two options. Although I, I obviously wanted the third option to be Jackie Stallone going, yeah, Bracky, which is sort of always in my top top two or three moments of all time. Oh, my God, Jackie. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are... Those, and so you look back on shit and you look yeah. at Dominic... And if we were to do it, you know, and at number 50... Dominic Cummins. And it's not like a particular incident. It's just Dominic Cummins generally, right? Because you can look back and go, yeah, he was a cunt and he was awful and he basically tried to single-handedly destroy the country and he may well have succeeded. But so British. Mm. Like, you wonder whether or not any other cunt like that could have thrived so (laughs) so, to such a great degree, such a significant degree in any other country. Yeah, especially given that he was unelected. I mean, you can look yeah. at Trump trying to destroy America, but, you know... At least he got voted for by fucking millions of Americans. Yeah, yeah. Cummings so you can't completely condemn it, can you? Cummings just turned he up. He just fucking rocked got up. stuck in. What? He, he, he was the beneficiary of Boris Johnson thinking, I like the idea of having Prime Minister on my business card, mm. but I don't like the idea of actually being Prime Minister because it's fucking mm. hard and boring. <laughs> Right, <laughs> uh, I preferred it when I was the editor of Spectator, and I just got to shag everyone. Right, <laughs> and um, so he thought, oh, "I need some cunt who doesn't mind doing this sort of shit. Someone yeah. who's enough of a fucking boring nerd who'll actually relish it and just take well, over everything. This cunt will do it." Yeah, yeah. So, but he put an ad out, didn't he? Going mavericks, geniuses, dickheads, yeah. and wankers, or whatever. Oh, and I thought, yeah. yeah, I can see what he's going for because he's arrived in government. He's looked around, and and like all kind of institutional worlds, it's got, there's certain things that, the things that are done and not done, the structures, the hierarchies, the conventions, the rules. Yeah. That is all 93% shit. Sorry, 97% shit, right? It is really. It's like, well, that's not the done thing. Mm. And in government, I bet it's really like that. And sometimes in times of crisis, you're quite happy that we've got this kind of quite old-fashioned, stuffy bureaucracy, the yeah. civil service, because you think, oh, fuck, the country's in crisis. At least those cunts are going to just fucking know how to do it by the mm. book. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, but sometimes you're like, oh, God, why are we run by these faceless bureaucrats who are all fucking 97 percenters? 
right? Dominic Cummings and kind Dominic of thought Cummings. he was he was running a record label, didn't he? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He thought he let's was do, um, Alan McGee in the nineties. Yeah. He exactly. thought he was Alan McGee in the nineties. Yeah. Fuck it. Let's say no oasis. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he went. He, he he was Alan McGee striding into King. Uh, what is it? King Tut's Wawa Club. <laughs> King Tut's Wawa. Is that what that thing? Hut. It's a hut. hut that's it. <laughs> a in 1993, yeah. I'm the the best band I'd ever seen in my life. Right, I'm that's what that's what sense. he thought he was up to. He did. He um, did. And and, and so the- you can sort of see the theory behind it, but obviously, you know, you know, joking aside, Dominic Hammonds is an awful cunt yeah. and a blemish on the history of this country. But you can see what he was going for, and I suppose. You know, if Oxford had let me in, but there's a difference in our stories anyway. Because Ant and Deck, and I'm not saying this to blow smoke up your ass. The truth is, Ant and Deck would have done well to have hired you because they probably had a load of like good but solid journeymen on their team, and yeah. you could have been the maverick. But Oxford would not have been correct to have hired hired me because yeah. I wouldn't have contributed much, really. I mean, I should, um, I should I should retract what I said at the very beginning of the comments about Oxford and Cambridge and everything because I've got a mate who went to Oxford and she yeah. was kind of fish out of water as well and she had a really, mm. really bad time with it all. But because really? it was all structured in the way that it is, kind of like the civil service, mm. and it was full of people who were destined to be there and they knew they were destined to be there yeah. and all that kind of thing. It, it certainly wasn't a hothouse centre of excellence, which it should be. But, um, my um, that's my sister went. Fuck, my younger stop. sister went. But that's not that's not the reason why I'm all like this. It's just that I know you know I've met lots of people who've been to Oxford Cambridge. Some of them have been nice, and some of them have been cunts, and some of them have been really clever, and some of them haven't been as impressive as you might expect. And but I just think everyone's fucking human. Do you know what I mean? And everyone's flawed, and everyone has shit happen to them, and. And you just don't know how life's going to fucking turn out. Totally. Um, but it's obviously a big advantage in lots of ways. My sister sort of, I mean, she was, she's like my half sister and she did, she did go to private school. Um, but even so, she didn't go to like one of the super posh short boarding ones. And she did say you, you basically have to gravitate towards the non cunts. She said that, you know, there is a, the, the dominant tribe. Mm. are people who, like, literally when they're 18, organising dinner parties where you all wear tuxedos and the women dress up in gowns from fucking the first week. And that's just normal. And she went, and that's a really quick way to start working out who are the cunts and who are all right. Yeah. Fucking hell. What a world. Dinner party cunts. 18-year-old dinner party cunts. Imagine that. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah, exactly. The worst. I mean, even at school. Even at a normal school, you remember some kids who were really keen to act like grown-ups yeah. at a young age by doing sort of silly things like that. And uh, so usually, you know, they're fucking, they're heading down one path in the crossroads of your adolescence. There is mm. one path marked Lampard Avenue, and that's where those <laughs> cunts are headed. We're going to rock down to Lampard Avenue. Avenue. We're going to have a dinner party. As Eddie Grant's I've told B-side. you that my mate Darren dated Eddie Grant's daughter did. for yeah. a long time. Yeah. When I fir- when I was first when I was first with good mates with him, that was his bird was at Eddie Grant's and it, holidays it, abroad at Eddie Grant's yeah. Jamaican party. He went to fucking like Electric Avenue Studios, mate. Fucking hell. 
hanging about there. Jalapeño. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you wouldn't be hearing this brief but annoying message if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Jalapeño. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Jalapeño. In the following section, Sam says black grip, when of course he means happy Monday, so Lampards, please do not get in touch with your corrections. Jalapeño. Fucking hell. I, don't, I can't remember if he was there when Black Grape were there on crack, but he, de- he certainly had great stories about that. <laughs> Is that where they were Because that's where Black Grape... Remember when the Black Grape did an album called Yes Please, where yeah. they just... But they, they accidentally yeah. got super into crack. Well, that was it. Tony Wilson wanted to send them away somewhere because Sean was like... To get them away Sean from was, heroin. Sean was coming off heroin. So he sent them to, yeah. was it Antigua? I don't know. Sure. Oh, it was Barbados. It was Barbados. Yeah. They sent them to and Barbados. It was Eddie Grant Studios. There yeah. was no heroin on Barbados, but what they didn't know was it was riddled yeah. with crack. Crack. And, and so he, just, he thought, great. <laughs> and they stayed there for about a year yeah. to make the album. He taught, he talks about that in, um, so you know, I can't remember if I've discussed this on the pod, but you know when we went to Manchester and we met up with Sean and yeah. I did that interview with him, but I yeah. never released the interview <laughs> yeah. because I was going to do a series of podcasts on mental health and that. And I did a couple that day and I've just never fucking got around to it, basically, <laughs> because, you know, just rest. Um, but now I'm I'm reviving the idea. Um, I'm thinking of doing no. a newsletter about, no, no, I've, I've been thinking about it over the last week because okay. I found it. And he, anyway, the point is I'm going to do, do it and I'm going to do a podcast and a newsletter about that sort of shit, you know, addiction, drugs. Mm. So I get quite a lot of emails, as you know, you see a lot of them too from about people, p- listeners to this who are like, I want to give up. I'm bag on the gear, you, mate. You, you, Often you, you get them in like really weird times of night. Have you noticed that? I'm yeah, bag on the gear. Yeah. I want to know how to knock it on the head. Oh, the, yeah, you don't the, say, mate. And the emails are all in capital letters. <laughs> <laughs> also, I've attached some illustrations of some new inventions that I'm working on. And I was wondering if you'd like to get involved in my business. This is an electric cricket bat. Think about it. You don't have to move your arms. It just smashes the fucking ball when you press a button. Smash, 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 smash. <laughs> Are you going to call the podcast Touched in the Nut? Good idea. Do you know what I'm thinking of calling it? The Reset. Because... Oh, it's good. Based on resetting your demons, mm-hmm. number one. 
Number two sounds a bit like The Reflex, which, of course, is a great song. Mm-hmm. So, The okay. Reset. Set, 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 set. I'm thinking of doing all of this because, you know, why not? Uh, but the Sean Ryder interview, which, as you know, was well over a year ago now. It was about 18 months ago. Fucking hell, yeah. I, uh, we, we discussed that. We discussed his time in um, getting on the crack in Barbados, right. I think. I'll re-listen to it, but I'm pretty sure we go into that because I try to engage him on... I told him, you know, look, Sean, this is going to be about mental health and that and drugs and how that's affected you. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, fine. Talk about anything. And so then I thought, oh, it's good. He's really like in touch with it. But then basically it was quite hard for me to engage him on it because he was willing to talk about the drugs he'd done. But when I said, and then of course, there's always a come down, isn't there? There's the dark side of it. But he sort of looked straight through me when I said that and looked a bit confused. No, not really, mate. If you start to feel sad, you just take more. <laughs> anyway. yeah, not, a great, not a great first episode then. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to have to put it out as the first episode. <laughs> but I've got some other good nutters on it, I think. Mm. I'm going to, like, for instance, my best friend Chris Ryan. Yeah. I'll be getting him on it because he's... Uh... Is he touched in the nut as well? Yeah. Well, I asked him once, I said, do you know, does doing this kind of caper send you bananas? And he went, well, put it this way. He goes... Never mind, send you bananas. He goes, I don't think you're likely to get into the SAS in the first place unless you already have some quite big issues. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're sure he goes, you're not. He goes, you're not attracted to it. <laughs> because if you listen to that, the podcast that we're doing, that Life or Death, all of them, apart from Ollie Ollerton, as we discussed last week, all of them say, oh, well, yeah, my, my childhood was really unhappy. I had a really tough childhood. And so I, so they all, almost already were damaged and that's what drew them to the yeah. military and pushed them to the very highest part of the military in the first place. Whereas, uh, unless you're Ollie Ollerton, where it's a bit different because he was attacked by a monkey, <laughs> a, a chimp at a circus in Burton on Trent in 1980. And that, I don't know if that's a common <laughs> routine to the special forces or maybe it was just his. I don't know. But it's quite unique, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Did you listen to that interview? I haven't got right away. Oh yet. my no, god, I'm mate! Do it. I've got, I've got, Honestly, I've got some save up it as walks. a treat. Save it as a treat because that's just the tip of the iceberg. Really? There's a lot of other great content in there. I'll get into it. I hey. forgot to tell you that at one point he says he was obsessed with chimps, and when he first came face to face with a chimp, he goes, "I was captivated." He went, "It was basically like." A woman setting eyes on George Clooney in person for the first time. What? He was already obsessed with chimps before this incident? Yes. Oh, of course, because that's why he went up to it, isn't it? Yeah. So what he's saying is he he, he yeah. felt, looking at a chimp in the eyes, he said the closest he can imagine it must be like when a woman meets George Clooney in the flesh. Yeah. That's how yeah. he felt. So there was already something there. It wasn't just the incident with the chimp. There was, there was well, shit going on if, leading up to the incident, wasn't there? If you love chimpanzees, yeah. you fucking love them, right? Yeah. And then the first time you encounter a chimpanzee, it beats the shit out of you. <laughs> and that's going to have a fucking impact Definitely. on your worldview, isn't it, mate? Definitely, because it's a strange worldview to begin with. And then to have that happen to you and have your whole world spun on its axis, it's going to make you mm. flee to the special forces, I guess. Next thing you know, you're in the special boat service. (laughs) (laughs) Slotting Iraqis, left, right and centre. That's what they say, don't they, in the military? Slot him. Yeah, on the telly last night, did you watch the second Steve McQueen small axe film? No. 
I haven't seen the first one either. The first, it? One, the first one was fucking fantastic about a restaurant. Is that the one with John Boyega in? About the copper? No. That's John Boyega from Star Wars. Week. That's next oh, okay. week, I think. Uh, the, first, the first one was about a restaurant in, oh, I can't remember where it was, or, uh, Labra Grove, I think. And they just kept getting, oh, yeah. they were just under constant police harassment and brutality, and it ended with a protest, right. and it ended with a court case. Long story, but really worth watching. Last night's, though, was fucking unbelievable. It was called Lover's really? Rock, and it was just about yeah. one of those blues parties they used to have in a house. Oh, yeah. In, yeah, yeah. In the early 80s, and it was just about this one yeah. party. And that good things happened, bad things happened, etc., etc. But there were these elongated scenes in it where they just played the music and just showed the people oh. dancing at these parties. Brilliant. And they played um, Silly Games, Janet Kay. Oh, Janet Kay. Is that Janet Kay? I think it was, yeah. We always yeah. get this wrong. We've mentioned this before. Oh, and yeah, because we, we accidentally thought that it, Janet Kay was Jamiroquai's mum yeah, once. Yeah, and then we thought she was... She, I think we thought she was Faith Brown as well. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, Silly Games by Janet Kay. And that was Janet a, Kay was married to... Um, what's his name? Butterworth from the Carry On. Janet Kay was married to Charles Hortry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah. Weird they, they had these. They had these... Bits, bits of the parties. You know, in a, a, a regularly in a drama, if they're showing a party, they'll show you like about 30 seconds of people mm. dancing at a party sort of thing to give you a flavour mm. of what's happening. Then it'll cut away to some people talking or something else happening. These mm. scenes went on for like fucking seven or eight minutes just of them dancing at these parties. It was fucking... The beautiful music. Unbel- yeah. It was fucking magnificent. Honestly. Yeah, those blues parties, I've read about them a lot, like in Ian Wright's sensational autobiography, which I would encourage anyone to read. Yeah. Um, it's sort of too good to deep dive because it's just a, a genuinely brilliant book. Yeah. Because what it does is it gives you loads of insight to social history, right? He's very eloquent about social history. And the blues parties, it's like, yeah, just a fascinating thing because in that era, they, they came about because you couldn't really... Well, black people it was too dangerous in, to socialise. Black people weren't allowed into discos and nightclubs, basically. Yeah, discos, yeah. pubs, anything. So you yeah. just had to start having parties at home yeah. and hope that the police didn't come and smash up your house, which they might. Yeah. But you'd be slightly less risky than going out publicly. Mm-hmm. Mm, that was it, yeah. But the laugh the laugh was on everyone else because those parties were better than any other party. Honestly, it's one of the best things I've seen on telly for fucking ages. So good. Oh, yeah. Get it watched. You've inspired me. I'm going to watch it today. Yeah. I'm going to I'll go watch back and watch. I'll, I'll watch the party scenes again, just standalone yeah. because they were so good. And get yourself some Lovers Rock on CD. And at the beginning of it as well, as they announced it, they said, uh, now on BBC One, the second small axe film, Lovers Rock, directed by Steve McQueen. Uh, Steve has asked viewers to uh, turn up the volume for this film as loudly as possible without... Uh, disrupting your neighbours or disturbing your neighbours. Wow. And they said that's that. Brilliant. You know, at the beginning, there's something they would normally say, this contains strong language and violence. Yeah, They've yeah, said, yeah, yeah. The fella behind this wants you to turn the cunt up. Fucking hell. You know you've made it when you're actually p- making a film where you actually get written into your contract that you can script what the continuity woman says to yeah. introduce it. Yeah. Then you know you're powerful. Yeah. It was amazing, though. Really, really good. Watch it. Um, um, what, about, a, what did you make of The Wall this week? I only watched it oh, last night. Oh, fucking hell. I really wanted them to do well. I really liked them. It was a They properly, were the most likeable. Yeah. Ever, even Len liked them. Like, yeah. Even Len, who's usually against them, he went, I like these two. The bloke looked exactly like Slaven Bilic, who <laughs> yeah. me and Len are very affectionate towards anyway, yeah. so that yeah. helped. 
the woman I had a quite she triggered me sort mm-hmm. of borderline triggered she yeah. was, I found a, I had a bit of a crush on her uh, but she wasn't just that she was very attractive physically she was also a right laugh wasn't yeah. she like you know some of them they're just putting it on and that's why you take against them they put on a sort of larger than life wacky personality of all that shouting at the wall and you just think what the fuck do you think you're going to do get spotted by the fucking this morning to do a consumer fucking <laughs> slot or something right <laughs> Uh, she was almost embarrassed to do it at the beginning. She was almost embarrassed to she to was, and you, Do you know what was really wall. interesting? She was obviously, the they, as a couple, they were head and shoulders above any other contestants we've had this series, mm. right? They were so nice and such a laugh. And Danny, who usually is just like, right, let's get this over and done with, fuck's sake. <laughs> who are you, cunts? Right, fine. <laughs> Drop your ball. This right. is about me and Daddy the ball. loved them. He did. Daddy was having nice little chats. He was. He kept. He kept. His face kept lighting up. He was trying to have banter with both of them. He thought, "Yeah, I like these mm. people. They're my people." Um, it seemed like yeah, there was, was lots good. more chat. There was lots more chats, and there was lots more deliberation over the questions. And I thought, "Oh fuck, this is being edited because they're going to end up not even dropping the last three red balls because they'll have fucked up, and that's why it feels yeah. longer." But they did. They did out. They did get wiped mm. out, but. Right at the end. What oh, about man. did you did you feel did you did you did you were well up when she goes we we're left with nothing but I love you I yeah. love you so much yeah. and I was like fuck it out yeah and they'd said that they had a really bad time during COVID and all that sort of thing as well earlier on it was just oh, fucking hell it was you tough think it's some of the but fuckers they're, got up they're nice people I yeah. look at some of the other couples and I've got to admit I don't like to be judgy but I look at some of them and I think I don't. I don't have much faith in this relationship. Mm. I think it's built on sand. And I think that, that money's all going to go to the lawyers in a couple of years. Yeah. I think the money and going on the wall for a lot of them is a sticking plaster. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, to sort of almost distract from the real problems yeah. in their lives. And but this, these two, nah, they're solid as a rock. Lovely. And that's it for the wall for now. Uh, oh. it's, yeah, it's back at Christmas with get this, the celebrity wall. Fuck off. Depends on who the celebs are, well, mate. Chris Kamara's on it. Chris Kamara's oh, okay. on it, but, you know, Chris Kamara will turn up or anything. I don't want to see <laughs> celebrities, because they'll be doing it for charity, which is all well and good. Charities deserve money, but I want to see real people playing for real money, yeah. for life-changing money. Yeah, I and I like it when there's little VTs that show their garden, and yeah. they go, right, we want to get this garden sorted. We We're going to need 20 in. grand. <laughs> I don't want I don't want celebrity wall. I mean, I, I'm probably fucked off because we haven't been invited on. That's probably what it is deep down. Mm. But we're not there mm. yet, are we? We're not at that level yet. We we go on a. Why don't they do a podcast a special? Yeah, that's not going to happen either. But it's been. They could have us versus. Um, <laughs> they could have us versus. Um, what's his name? Richard Herring. <laughs> yeah. Have we seen what's on next week though? What's been replaced what? with Michael McIntyre's The Wheel? What? I know, it's weird. You can't it's replace like, a wall with a wheel? What the fuck? A wall, the wheel? Yeah. What next, the fucking floor? Do you think Michael, Michael McIntyre's rang up the BBC and gone, I see that you're doing that thing called the wall and it looks excellent, but I've got I've got an idea for a show called The Wheel. And I'm Michael McIntyre. One thing, what's better than a wall? A wheel. It's like a wall, but one that moves. It goes round and round. I mean, the problem with the wall, the wall is there. it's completely stationary. Fucking cunt. Uh, so I like week. him. I like you Michael McIntyre. You like him, yeah, I reckon he's all right. Everyone hates on him, but I just think that yeah, seems all right. Do you think it's just like a Lampard? It's a comedy Lampard. 
Is he? I don't know. I, I don't so. know enough about him. I, d- I met him like a few times when he was on the way up before he was a big yeah. deal. And I used to do this Saturday morning show on Five Live and it was sort of football. Sort of football, but you know, you have right. whoever on celebrities and that. And he rocked up to talk about Spurs. Mm. He's a Spurs fan. And I obviously thought, who's this posh cat? Fucking Spurs sounds about, I thought he sounds about fucking that typical Tottenham. And he's turned out and he was just fucking really genuine. You know, like even if it's someone from a club you hate, you can see Mm. when they've got genuine passion and knowledge and it's not just some bullshit kind of, oh, I support a football team because that might help me sell more tickets. They did with Cameron supporting Aston Villa and then West Ham for a minute. And and then forgetting it. So it it wasn't one of those bullshit things. I thought, here is a guy who's a fucking passionate Spurs fan. As much as I hate Spurs, you've got to respect that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He absolutely loved them. He knew all about them. And he was and he was charming as well. Spurs so, is shot at Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, next well, uh, question. <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur was founded in 1876 <laughs> by Sir John Tottenham. <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur's best players include Jimmy Greaves, Ken Hoddle and Ricky Veer. Next question. <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur played white shirts and blue shorts. Tottenham Hotspur badge is a cockerel stood upon an association football. <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur always, always try their hardest. Next question. <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur believe in fair play with passion and pride. And flair. <laughs> we always try to play with flair. Next question. Tottenham uh, always go on about having flair players, don't they? Well, some clubs oh. are like that, aren't they? They've got a, some clubs have got a weir, haven't they? We've got a oh, weird yeah, I know you're going to say it's West Ham, but West it's Ham true weird. that clubs go, certain clubs, it's just like we've said before, they go, fat, oh, they love their football up here. Yeah. Those silly commentators go, they love their football up here in Newcastle. You yeah. get southern commentators who think they're really clever by going, Newcastle. And actually, <laughs> that's a bit racist because that's appropriating language. <laughs> it's it's no different. Listen, it's no different if you're a, let's say you're a, a cricket commentator, mm-hmm. right? You don't go, and here we are, and England come out for the first test match against the West Indies. You wouldn't say that because it would sound no. racist. But then it's like and- when some commentators pronounce Spanish t- team names in a Spanish dialect. Mm. Ba- Barcelona. Bar- Barcelona. Is that racist? racist? I can't decide. That's racist, is it? If, if you say Ajax, Ajax, then you're being racist to the Dutch. <laughs> so you've got to call them Ajax. You got to call Majax like Big Ron, <laughs> and the irony is Big Ron was the one they said was racist. Yeah, but he was the only one who was <laughs> saying Ajax. who was saying Ajax and Juventus. But right? he also said so that in other fact, thing. He was the least racist of all of them. Well, apart from that word that he said. Well, apart from when he was racist, yeah. Yeah. So you like Michael McIntyre? That's that's fine. I'd I'd like to think I he's bet. one of these ones who, when he's off camera, he's just a grumpy cunt. But I don't uh, think no, he is. he seemed really jolly when I met him. But yeah. he seemed charming. I was one over, I guess, personally, because I thought, ah, oh, you've got to take people as you find them. And it was before he got super famous. And then as he went up the ladder, I noticed more and more people hating him. Mm. Well, look, um, look Sam, we'll just, watch, we'll just watch his fucking wheel on Saturday night and then we'll talk about it next week and we'll decide yeah, once we'll and see, all, we'll see what is we he make any good that. or not. We'll yeah. be the fucking judges yeah, of this, you cunt. We'll fucking, this career will live or die next Monday morning on our podcast. With your fucking wheel. Oi, mate, have you played your um, board game of the wall yet? Not yet, no. 
No, there's no enthusiasm for it in this house at all. I've bought it for Len for his birthday, which is this Wednesday. You had it out to test it. (laughs) I haven't. I am going to wrap it today because I want to get ahead of myself. But we've bought him a few things, and um, some some parent cunters will recognise this dilemma. Basically, um, it's obviously a month before Christmas. Mm. So we've got a few presents we've been picking up as we go along. And my wife has now decided it's too many because she's sort of quite anti-spoiling. Whereas mm. I like to live out loud. Of course, Just yeah. in, in parenting, just as I do in my professional life, right? Yeah, you want that sad and, you can uh, have it. Oh, fuck. Someone's calling me out. I'm a bit like, give him all the presents. Yeah. Um, Every so day I Christmas. have got the wall, but my my wife is trying to make me hold the wall back till Christmas because she thinks it's a great Christmas Day present, which is mm, true. Is. But, mate, it's going to be burning a hole in my fucking soul mm. to know that the wall is sat there. And very often this time of year when the weather's bad, like me and Len will often, it, not just at the weekend, even like after school on a weekday, we'll like, have a board game, yeah. right? Go fancy a game of Monopoly, right? Something like that. Mm-hmm. And if I'm sitting there playing fucking Monopoly or Risk or what have you, uh, when I know that upstairs in a box there is a fucking a board game of the wall with yeah. Danny on the fucking cover, yeah. I'll be it'll be driving me mad. So fuck it, mate. I think I'm just going to give it to him on Wednesday. If you don't do that, you have to buy yourself another one and play it up your lockup. On your own. Um, yeah, against who? My, on my own, like, yeah. when I had to play Sabutio against myself when I was a kid because yeah. I was so lonely. Yeah, well, just do play against different personas of yourself. Sam 1 I've and Sam d- 2. I have done that loads. So I was such a lonely child. Well, Richard Herring does that, doesn't he? He plays snooker against himself on his one does of his he? video podcast things. Well, if it's good <clears> enough for Herring. It's good enough for us. Look, we've run out of time. That's, what about the predictions? That's it, yeah. Yeah, predictions. Uh, you got five points, Results Spot got three, I got one. Um, that's it from this episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Oh yeah, you would like to skate over them, don't you? When when I do well. Goodbye. When West West Ham won. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Thank you. You're so kind. And so I used to be treated so nicely. What with me being so grotesque. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.